Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Ama Grigic, and today with me is uh, Joris Leker. He is uh, the co-founder for False Plot. Welcome. Thank you. Um, what I would like to start off with is uh, what I start off with every, uh, <laughs> every podcast, is a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to start uh, False Plot. That's a pretty long story. <laughs> uh, basically, um, me, Niels and Brian, we started False Plot 19 years ago. Um, basically to make internet and the digital world a better place for us humans. Um, we noticed that it was a lot about technology, um, basically technology push, and uh, not really thinking or understanding what people and clients actually need or want to do. Uh, so that's why we founded False Plot. Um, first, to basically des- design stuff ourselves, but we were just out of school, no network, nothing. So uh, we noticed that we didn't really uh, reach the clients we wanted to reach. Um, so we decided to specialize basically in user research and help our clients better understand their clients and build the best possible digital solutions for them. Um, did user research for about 10 to 15 years now. And um, last couple of years, we move back to design, uh, service design, uh, interaction design, user experience design, uh, whatever you call design. Yeah. Um, but basically act upon those insights we collect in research. Yeah. So um, what we, we talked about uh, it a little bit before we started the recording, uh, but you started as like a digital agency, right? So building websites and stuff like that, right? Full service digital agency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you moved to uh, doing this kind of type of research to see actually why, uh, why something is happening, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So why that switch? So why was that uh, so important? Was that because you saw that there is uh, more to it than just building the website? Or why was that? Because you can only build really, well, the best digital solutions if you really, really understand the the customer problem you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And um, what we noticed is that a lot of our clients just acted based on assumptions Sometimes based on data, uh, a lot of the time just based on gut feeling. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to understand what actually drives your customers, mm-hmm. um, what problems they face in their daily life, their context. Um, back in the days when we didn't have internet and um, entrepreneurs talk to their customers on a daily basis, that, that wasn't really a problem. but Um, we lost that contact Mm. because everything is happening in the digital world and we don't really see people. We don't really, we're not with them sitting next to them when they are ordering uh, their shoes or looking for a house or trying to find something on Markplatz or whatever Um, or trying to find a holiday. So we're not with them and we only see the traces they leave in the digital world, right? Mm. Statistics page views, um, people aborting a shopping cart. Why? Why do they do that? Mm. And that's what you're trying to answer, right? That's the, the service you were trying to provide. So uh, could you tell a little bit about how that process goes? So say, for instance, I want to be a client at, at, at False Plot. How, how does that work? So how do, how do you go about that? It's defining 
Hmm. Who are we building this for? Um, and then really doing deep dives into the life of those people. And not by sending them surveys or, you know, you, you can do that, but you really have to go to them, talk to them, be with them, observe them, understand them, empathize, empathize with them, and then build your solutions based on that. And basically that's user-centered design, and that's what everybody claims to be, be doing right now. Um, and I guess a lot of people are actually doing that, but it's, it's moving away from those assumptions uh, and, and really understanding people. Yeah, because you, uh, you you mentioned it before, it it is a qualitative research, right? So you're looking at uh, looking at really the quality of what you're uh, providing. Um, say, for instance, you're doing this kind of research for a client. Uh, how how does that work? So do you find the people that they want to target? How, how does that work? Do you a- do you ask them the questions they need to? Uh, do you, you ask them questions, of course, but. Is it like the the questions that are deeper than just going to a survey and filling in a few questions, right? You know, it's not about numbers, yeah, um, but it's about the story behind the numbers and not the what, but the why, and understanding that. And it's yeah, it's it's finding um, uh, if you're building a site um, that helps people find a home then you need to interview people that are actually looking for a home or a product owner envisioning how that would work. Of course, they could have kids themselves, could work, um, but a lot of the time, you know, you, you, you tend to overlook stuff and make the wrong assumptions, and then it just doesn't work. So really understanding people and basing your design decisions on that understanding, that that's what helps you. Mm. Because um, you... Uh, I think you believe the same thing as I believe in that sense is that the users will actually give you the information you want to have. You just need to ask them in the right way, right? Sometimes it's not even about asking Hmm. um, because asking the right question is pretty hard. Um, It's about observing and um, ignoring everything you know and just looking at what they're doing. And, and listening to them, yeah. Yeah. So how, how do you go about that? So how do you actually find those people? Because I can imagine that if you're looking for someone with kids that's actually looking for a house, for example, how, how, do, you, how do you track down those people? Oh, there's a lot of agencies in the Netherlands that help you find people. Sure. Um, and a lot of the times it's, you know, um, if you're testing... Uh, Sometimes it's just using client um, databases and um, targeting specific samples of people you you think might be qualified. Um, Or it's going to places where those people um, go to as well. Hmm. If you're testing for a a grocery store, why why don't go just go to the grocery, grocery store? And ask it, yeah. <laughs> and ask it, yeah. or just observe people moving there, uh, moving through there, and ask them afterwards. Um, if you're testing a ticketing machine for a railway company, for instance, just go to the station. They're out there. Uh, go to them, look at them, observe them uh, in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit scary, but you know, yeah. we tend to forget this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is that um, when people think about this, like tracking down people, it, they always think about a real controlled environment, right? So just that person and it's somebody. a messy world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that uh, and that doesn't test the real world example. That's that's what you what you're referring to, right? So I know you have a kind of a you mentioned it before we started recording that you have kind of a lab or something like that. So. Um, when is the the time to actually get people to come there to uh, start uh, testing something? You know, a big part of user research, mm-hmm. um, and no, the other way around. A big part of designing new products is convincing your organization that you need to build this product, exactly, and convincing your organization and the team about design decisions hmm. and uh, the turns you take. Um, that's why you need to test in labs sometimes. Um, because if you go about as a designer or a researcher and you go to people and you talk to them and you have insights, that's not the end. Those insights need to reach the rest of the team and need to convince as many people in your organization as possible. Because that's the only way stuff is going to change. And, you know, there's a lot of assumptions in organizations and there's usually... We've been doing this for about 20 years now. Um, there's a lot of discussion about how we should, about basically design and business decisions. Uh, discussion based on assumptions, sometimes based on data, interpretations of data. Having a team in an observation room witnessing actual customers, um, I guess it always leads to decisions and shared understanding. Mm. And that's that's why you sometimes test in labs. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that seeing someone's emotion while they're testing something is a big part, right? It's really hard to deny. Yeah. Um, if there's something, uh, somebody actually talking about it. Yeah, like frustration customer. or confusion or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. Seeing is believing. Yeah, and I, I was wondering about the... Um, the way you report things, right? So um, it, it's going to tie into something uh, where I'm going to ask later on. But uh, how did you, uh, or how do you report to your clients? So is that do they get like a report which just says, okay, this is what we've observed and uh, this is what you need to do, or how, how does that how does that work at the moment? That's what we used to do. Yeah. Um, and basically, we, we stopped doing that. Um, we don't really deliver reports anymore because when you do qualitative research, so actually actual one-on-one conversation with customers, deep dives into their lives, um, you learn a lot about the product or the service you're uh, doing the specific research for, but you learn more or uh, you also learn a lot about those people, their lives and stuff that might not be relevant for dot for that product you're researching or for that project uh, you're gathering insights for, but that is relevant for the organization, bycatch, basically. And um, we noticed we, we have long-standing relationships with a lot of our, our customers doing research and design work for them over periods of 10 years, uh, talking to hundreds of their customers, and you start to see trends. Basically in that bycatch that isn't relevant for the uh, product owner or designer you're doing the research for or conducting gathering insights for it not relevant for the design decisions that are at hand at that point in time 
um, but that are relevant for the organization. And if you put that stuff in a report, it's never going to reach anybody or never going to reach the people that are uh, that should know it. Yeah. So um, that was one of our observations over the over the last uh, uh, years that you know we we started to become a we started to know more about the customers of our customers than our customers themselves or at least that's our arrogant way of looking at it uh, because they have in other insights as well of course but there was a lot that we couldn't really uh, um, effectively communicate to them um, and we had customers that uh, kept asking us the same questions hey Falsblood, can you research this specific part of our funnel for us and then we would say we've done that last year um, <laughs> And you haven't changed anything, so why should we do it again? Oh, but we don't have to report anymore, or the product owner that did that or commissioned that part that research has left the company. Uh, so we don't we don't know. Any- Sorry, we didn't know. Uh, can you please send us the report? Yeah, of course. Um, but that feels like a, a waste of money. And if they wouldn't have asked us, but another company, then they would would have just spent that money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so organizations tend to forget, um, and so we we started to realize that that report that's always centered about a specific point in time where you conduct that specific research, and is also centralized around specific research questions and doesn't really focus on trends, mm. unless it was a trend research. Um, they don't really end up at the right person in the organization or the right person. So we developed a we said we said um what if we take another look at that mm. and instead of seeing this report as a long story what if we see it as a collection of insights a collection of basically uh small entities that are all directed at other people in the organization or are all addressing a different topic. Mm. One might address the, the product, one the user, um, something about their context, whatever. Um, what if we um, write those up and add the right metadata to all those atomic insights, basically, and build a platform around that? A platform where we can uh, use different elements to structure that information. Um, uh, a customer journey or a a step in a customer journey. Um, What if we tag it with the specific product or platform this is about? Is it about our iPhone app? Is it about Android? Is it about our customer service in store? Um, And what if we allow people in organizations to um, follow that specific topics? And every time our organization conducts research um, and something relevant to me is published on this platform, I get a notification mm-hmm. and I can read it. Um, so it doesn't end up in reports, in PowerPoint presentations, in PDFs, or even printed files that end up in drawers and collect dust. Um, every nugget of information is just stored on this platform and automatically delivered to the right people in the organization. 
Yeah. So that that platform is actually Sticktill. <laughs> that platform is actually Sticktill. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long long pitch. <laughs> no, no, but it, it it is it ties into the the next question. Of course, is that uh, you've you've created that platform uh, together with uh, um, a colleague of yours. Um, so basically, what you're saying is that you didn't have a specific spot where you could aggregate all this stuff, all this information that you have, qualitative information that you have. Uh, and report that to the client, right? And see, let them see it and see, uh, they could just log in and see, okay, uh, this is what we've done on this specific thing within our product. And this is our findings in that sense, right? Um, what's interesting to me is that you're actually moving from a service that you are providing, right? To a product that also provides that service. Still providing the service. Yeah, you're still this providing the service. Yeah, so... What, what I'm interested in is that um, how was that switch to creating a product, actually? So, uh, it's a different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, we've been helping our clients in their product uh, development process. So we know something about it. But, um, and you know, some of us have a background in development or IT. So uh, IT, well. <laughs> yeah, well. It, development. It's, yeah, development. So we know, know something about product development. We know something about product design. Um, we know how to empathize with end users. Um, we know how to focus on a problem, how to translate that to a solution. Um, we know something about the business side because we've been in business for about 20 years now. So, um, But a service provider is something totally different than, than product development. Yeah. yeah. And... Um what what were some of the challenges for you uh, to to create that product? So what what are some of the things that you find different than what you are doing in in False Blood? You know, when you're a consultant, it's very easy to say this is the problem and this needs to be fixed. Um, it might even be easy to say this is the most important product uh, uh, problem, but in a resource constrained environment, actually deciding what to fix, what to fix first, what not to fix. Um, th- that's something that you're not really accustomed to in a, uh, in a consultancy setting, mm. right? Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, uh, in, in most cases, you will probably say, okay, uh, we know what the problems are and this, this is like the problem that you have, but uh, it's up to that client to know and prioritize what we're going to fix first, right? Exactly. And uh, what I was wondering about is that how do you go about um, showing this type of data to clients? Because that's that seems really hard to me to kind of visualize in a way that someone would understand that, right? Yeah, but we're not we're not really talking about data. Mm. We're talking about insights. Yeah, um, which is basically the conclusions that follow if you transfer or convert data into information and sure. then into real knowledge. Um, so basically, basically, it's not really that different from being a newspaper or, you know, we, we see our insights, the people that write insights as reporters, mm. basically. Journalists that um, go about, explore the world, learn something, um, and write a compelling story about that. And seeing is believing. Sometimes uh, that will be a story accompanied by some video or a photo collection or uh, screenshots or uh, 
stuff like that. But it's it's and it or maybe some some data as well, mm. some charts. Yeah. Um, but it's about the story and not about the uh, the data. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's different in in a sense that uh, what you usually see is that people will be focused on just saying, okay. For example, if we take the example of Tevreden, a lot of people are like, okay, what's my grade, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> am, I, am I scoring a 7 or an 8? But they forget the whole contextual part that uh, is also behind that and which actually has the information how they could get that grade up, right? It's just that in most cases they need someone to to give them that that kind of summary of all those things, right? And exactly, that, and that's what Sticktail is about. Yeah. It's... It's not about the actual numbers. It's about the story behind the numbers, the why. Mm. And that, essentially, that's what makes uh, data user insights actionable. Yeah, and that's that's something that uh, we've noticed ourselves as well uh, when I'm looking at the frame is that that's the first question that the clients ask is, okay, I have this number, but... What do I do with it? How do I improve? And that's that's usually where we come in and then say, okay, you still need to write up a report about that, about everything that we, we see in that in that uh, in that thing. So, what I was uh, also wondering about a little bit is that um, when you start a project like this, right? So when you start a product like uh, Sticktail, does it uh, so? Of course, you have a lot of experience within your field, and you know what how it how it needs to be. So, do I kind of see it like something that I could just read and just see a story and just read through it, and then I would understand what the whole context is? That is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, that should be the case with one individual insight. Yeah, but you know, if you work in a big corporate and um, your corporate as a Sticktail license, then um, the way we envision it, um, you know, there's there's usually a customer insights department within an organization, but they are not the only one commissioning research. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be product development, user uh, UX designers, um, people at the uh, customer support um, that all have regular. Uh, touch point with customers and all learn stuff. All of those deport- departments could have their own sticktail reporters, right? That contributes course, to yeah. the uh, knowledge in the organization. They do commission research. They have they gain their own insights, and once in a while they do a write up of something that's new and add that to sticktail. And in Sticktail, they can add it to a specific step in a customer journey. They can add it. They can add tags and stuff like that. And you, as a um, whatever designer or business analyst or whatever you are in the organization, you can subscribe to those uh, tags. You can subscribe to uh, steps in customer journeys because that's the team you work in. Yeah. Um, and every time something new is added, that's tag with something that you follow it will end up in your slack or Mm. your email or whatever you will be notified so you will know instead of you know that research and stuff being done and insights being collected and ending up in a drawer it automatically reaches the right people in the organization that have the responsibility and the power to fix the problems that were 
observed. And how, because you're creating, the, well, actually, it's funny because you're, um, you're going at the other end where your, pro, where, where your clients are as well, right? So they create their products and you come in and, uh, or in the process of creating that product, you come in or when it's done, you come in and say, okay, these are the things that we, uh, that you need to do differently. So how, how do you apply that to your own product now? So how do you get your insights that you, how you want to uh, get your app better? How, how do you do that? Um, talk to our clients. Same thing. Observe what they're doing. Uh, understand the problems they face. Um, same thing, of course. Use mm. research. Mm. Um, really understanding the problems they, they face. And um, host meetups. Talk to people. Get in touch with them. Instead of just you know, uh, answering emails and replying to feature requests. Hmm. Actually understand what's happening. Yeah. And that's that's something, it's funny you mentioned that. We talked a, lot, a bit about that before as well, is that um, it, the people that are actually interested in or are interested in the product, uh, they usually aren't clients of false plot yet, right? They're just clients that you met, for example, it, at a meetup or whatever. Yeah, and they don't need to be a, a false plot client. This, yeah. is, this is something um, that's focused at a different audience. Sure. And um, a big corporate, uh, corporate organization usually has a lot of uh, agencies, uh, own researchers, uh, customer support department, well, all the department I, j I just mentioned, all delivering them insights. And in, in my vision, all of those, all of those parties, internal and external, use the same platform to deliver, to deliver their, uh, their stuff. So they're really, you know, a common understanding of, uh, customer problems, opportunities, uh, arises within the organization instead of, somebody at in department x saying it should be this and somebody <laughs> in department y no we, we need to go this way this is what our customer wants yeah yeah and uh, i get i see that as well is that uh there's always some kind of uh it's not a struggle but it's kind of a internal thing that people say okay I think this is the best way to go, and the other one will say, "I think this is the best way to go, and actually nobody knows what the uh, what it really is right and then maybe you need to experiment, but if mm. somebody has conducted some solid research and there's real insights, yeah, why not use it? Why not use it yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's that's it's a the shame thing. if that doesn't happen yeah that that's 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 the crazy thing to me is that what you said as well is that um it will just end up somewhere and nobody does something with it. And you're like, okay, but these are really <laughs> valuable insights, right? And that, that's that's what's crazy to me as well. So I, I wanted to uh, to go a little bit further on that uh, with you is that um, wh where do you think that this will go to in the future, right? So where do you think this, uh, this user experience design, if you can call it like that, or... Where do you see that going? Um, you're, of course, making the, this product for yourself and, of course, for others. But um, wh where do you see that whole space going? So what do you see more and more uh, of? Uh, I correct something. I, we're not making this product for ourselves. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. This is a commercial uh, product aimed at a, a problem or an opportunity we, uh, we saw and... Um, 
a, pro- a, pro- a proposition that basically resonated with a uh, with a lot of corporates, and that's why they're clients already. Um, even though the product, well, you know, it's not what we envision it should be, but um, we're working on that. Yeah, of course, but it's never done. I mean, it's never done exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do you want? You know, user centered design right now is uh, hip hop, hip hot and happening, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the, the trend towards companies re- being really user driven and driven by the optimal match between business opportunities and, and, and user needs and real user needs, um, that's something that's going to continue mm. for a lot of years. Um, we see that clients in the Dutch market are getting more and more mature um, at being user-centered, but that means that they're, you know, observing and listening to their to their customers better and better. Um, but we don't really have a way to really structure that and act upon the information and do that in a professional way instead of just collecting insights in a shared folder. And that that's. There's a lot of waste there, and that that's what we wanna wanna fix basically. Um, but well, we see that user experience design, user centered design, um, it's getting more and more mainstream. So we need we need the tools to support that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that a lot of companies didn't even think about this of, uh, maybe ten years ago or whatever, right? Uh, that that's the thing, and it's it's actually an. Um, What's interesting to me is that a few years ago, I don't know if even there was something like UX design, right? Uh, it's, it, it has evolved to something that's really going into, okay, psychologically, what, what are people doing? Why are they clicking this button? Why is this button green or blue or whatever, right? And that's, that's from, to me, the most interesting part about this whole, uh, this whole sector, actually, is that uh, it's... Emerging. It's a, yeah, it's emerging, right? And that's uh, um, interesting to see that... Uh, there's still a big need for products that can actually fill in these kind of things. Right? Of course, there are things for uh, user experience design, wireframing, and everything like that. Right? Um, that that's that's done. But uh, creating that insight is, is, I think, one of the things that uh, uh, that that's of course missing. So, uh, what I would like to do, I would like to wrap up with one last question, <laughs> the question I always ask at the end. Uh, so, what are you most proud of uh, since you started this whole ordeal and this this project? Oh wow, um, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the biggest one at the end. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just proud of what we achieved already. Yeah. Um, you know, start we started 19 years ago. Yeah. Um, last week, and I just dug up some photos of that. Uh, saw them on LinkedIn, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them. You know, the the, uh, the growth from being just a student without any network um, and with just some ambition to a company that's now 45 people and nowhere near finished, um, that's great, you know, and uh, stuff we learned. And, uh, um, well, that's... That's mostly it. Yeah, and and I I can imagine that sometimes <laughs> it's just, maybe it's is it a little bit scary? I can I cannot imagine it going from that small to 
a bigger company, right? Is, is it sometimes, uh, do you still need to pinch yourself sometimes that it, that it became that big? Or did you expect it? That, that's a better question, actually. No, never expected it, <laughs> um, but never doubted it as well. Yeah. Um, and no, don't need to pinch myself. <laughs> um, but as I said, it's nowhere near vision, uh, nor n near f finished. Um, so much more ambition and stuff to fix. Yeah, of uh, course. So we're yeah. just going to keep continuing. Okay, cool. Uh, what I wanted to do is actually uh, uh, have you plug something. <laughs> Your, so where can, people, uh, where can people find you? Sticktillapp.com. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, of course, for the listeners, I would uh, like to thank you for listening and um, follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or not Facebook, on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, and uh, on SoundCloud. You can just uh, subscribe and get the, the newest episodes. And of course, uh, on all major podcasts and platforms and on YouTube uh, since uh, a few weeks. So um, uh, thank you for listening and until next time. <laughs>